Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today, I have had the pleasure of meeting up with Christian Harris, um, the founder of Slip Safety Services. Um, and we have been talking about um, slips, trips, um, flooring conditions, staircases, all sorts of bits and pieces. Anyway, let's um, let's have a listen and uh, and we can have a chat at the end. Christian, thank you, thank you so much for uh, um, for agreeing to meet up and have a chat about uh, um, about your your particular Pleasure. your particular niche uh, from yeah. a, from a health and safety perspective. Um, can I really just for the benefit of the listeners, can they can they, um, you just explain who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Christian Harris, and I've got a business called Slip Safety Services. We're essentially a floor maintenance company, and we've got two key specialisms. Firstly, it's about the maintenance of cleanliness and hygiene in hard to clean areas, you know, like kitchens, pool sides, and things like that. Uh, and secondly, more importantly for the podcast today, it's about preventing slips, trips, and falls, uh, particularly slips in environments where floors are likely to get wet. Right. Okay. So you're you're doing a lot of work in um you know in in, in highly trafficked areas. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of what we do is in uh, environments like yeah, lobbies, um, the buildings where you get a lot of foot traffic, and then things like swimming pools, mm-hmm. uh, toilets is a big area for us as well. Okay. Spend too much time on my hands and knees in the <laughs> toilets. Um, you wouldn't want to look at the photos on my iPhone. Uh, you'd think I was a bit of a strange uh, person. Um, and then yeah, shopping centres. So yeah. Where places where people are walking a lot and mm-hmm. where, for whatever reason, the floor is likely to get wet or contaminated and therefore present a slip risk. Right. Okay. It's funny you say that. I um, um I use my iPhone a lot to take photos from from for work. You know, when I go out and uh, and we got this Samsung telly and 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 it started to to link up the the images on. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, and then all, so all of a sudden you're, you're sort of scrolling through. Through family photos, all of a sudden this this work you know this workplace comes up you know this yeah, this really even, bad toilet or whatever you know even if you're watching uh, YouTube on your phone now it will sometimes say oh do you want to put this onto the TV and I just think oh I don't want to do that because uh, my kids will kill me if they're watching Peppa Pig and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. some boring uh, floor floor, floor thing. related uh, video comes up or uh, or some snooker video or something because that's my one of my um, pastimes. So how did you, I mean, how did you get involved in, in flooring then? Because, well, you know, I, I had a look at your, your profile and your, you know, your, your sort of degree and stuff like that it was nothing to do with... Uh, no, nothing to do, you know, I did French for my degree and then I did sort of general business consultancy and yeah. had an interest in the poker business as well. Right, yeah. Quite yeah. an eclectic background. Uh, basically, I, I wanted to get involved in, in, a, in a business where, a kind of real business, quote unquote, uh, and also something that I would be making a positive difference in the world. Yep. So lots of my friends, I and mean, my wife's a lawyer, nothing wrong with being a lawyer. Uh, lots of my friends are, you know, accountants and bankers and private equity and things like that, which is all, which is all great. Um, but I kind of wanted to, to do something a bit more altruistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's nice. One of the things I love about what we do is, you know, you, you feel that sense of, of uh, pride in helping people solve kind of meaningful problems so I became aware of this as, a, as an issue where you know we have hundreds of thousands of people a year going to hospital uh, millions of bed days at the NHS hundreds of millions or billions of costs to society mm-hmm. and there wasn't really a, a good solution mm. um, in the marketplace so um, you know it was something that I've kind of been dedicating myself to try to provide that solution for the last 
getting on for a decade now. No, oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, really, it, it makes a lot of sense when you say it. You know, I mean, there's a big issue. I'm sorry if you can hear a bit of background noise. We were uh, we're sitting outside a, a sitting outside a, a bar in uh, in Kings Cross in in London. But only drinking so. water. With <laughs> coffee's on the way. <laughs> coffee's on the. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people going by. So hopefully that's uh, that's not going to disturb the uh, the the interview too much. Um, so, I mean, I had, a, I had a look on your on your website, and there's this thing called um, a, a slip test. Yes. What's that? What's what's that all about then? So, um, a lot of people don't know this, but you can measure how slippery a floor is. So, uh, I do quite a lot of talks to people at IOSH groups, and um, and um, uh, yeah, cheers, thanks a lot. Man. This is this is the proof that we're having coffee. Yeah. <laughs> And the Bacardi and lemonade. I slipped him <laughs> twenty quid to say coffee. Um, Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, so the sli- so slip testing. Um, I-, I do a lot of talks to uh, various groups, you know, of people that you would expect to know about slip testing. For example, IOSH uh, groups, uh, insurers, health and safety managers, and people like that. And-, and whenever I show a photograph of a pendulum slip test, and I say, "Who's her- who knows what this is?" It- it's very rare I get more than ten percent of people. Uh, put their hands up so it's something that people aren't necessarily aware of Uh, but I start a lot of the conversations uh, asking people you know the the question you know do you accept that some surfaces are more slippery than others and everyone Mm -hmm. says yes they are yep okay well in that case how do we quantify that because you know there is a way of doing it and that is this this pendulum test Mm -hmm. essentially what it does if you think about when somebody slips you've got your heel contacting the floor uh, and if you've got sufficient friction you don't slip and if you've got insufficient friction then you might slip and the pendulum test basically mimics that in a scientific way and it, it, it tells us how slip resistant the floor surface is how much friction there is on the floor surface and this is what's used by the HSE in enforcement and prosecution and mm-hmm. therefore step one almost of, of what we do is going out and uh, showing this to people and actually saying well look here's a number for where you are now mm-hmm. uh, and then if it's not where you want to be here are some things you could do to make your floor better but it's yeah. not just about the floor you know, there's all sorts of other factors that play into it as well, but that's that's one thing that we that we can do. Okay, so it's something fairly easy you can set up then, and you you just let the you just let the pendulum go, and then it and then it goes. Yeah, past, basically. Past the point of contact um, and that yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I, I, we could probably do a link in the, in the in the notes or something to a video or something, but um, it's fairly. If you know what you're doing, it's fairly straightforward. The physics of it is straightforward. Yep. It, it requires uh, a fair bit of setting up to, to make sure that it's correctly calibrated and things like that. Um, so you kind of need to know what you're doing. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. you can buy them. They're about five grand or something to buy. Mm-hmm. So you could buy. People could buy them themselves and, yeah. and try and do it. Um, I tend to advise against that unless you're going to do it regularly and properly because it's it's the sort of thing. It took me about a year to really feel comfortable, comfortable. doing it. Yeah. And I think if right. you just bought one, yeah, you'd get some training. But unless you're doing it frequently enough, I think you would probably not really be able to rely on the results. When I was at um, when I was at university um, many many years ago. Um, we we were involved in, in I did a, a degree that uh, was quarrying and road surfacing, and uh, and doing this doing a similar sort of test you know was quite a big part of uh, of, of our laboratory part of the course and um, and it, you know it was, it was interesting because you know, there's this thing called skid resistance on roads you know so yeah. that when you put your brakes on on your car the uh, you know the the, the car's going to stop in the right um, time yeah. in the right time mm-hmm. and if you've got the wrong kind of of, of stone that goes down. Then it uh, then it causes your problems, and so yeah, and you're, it's exactly you're the same. That. It's exactly yeah. the same test that's used. In fact, the pendulum test, and and the principle of 
if you think about, I often use the analogy of Formula One when I when I come to explain about the slip resistance of different floors. Because if you take a, let's say, a highly polished terrazzo or a marble or something like that, or even some glass, uh, and you slip test it when it's dry, you're going to get a very very high level of friction because yeah. you've got a smooth surface contacting a smooth surface like a, a slick tire on a Formula One yeah. uh, car. Uh, whereas once you start introducing water mm -hmm. uh, on a smooth surface like that, you've got very very little friction, and that's when having some sort of texture whether that's on the foot part of things and or the floor mm. will, will help to increase the uh, the slip resistance okay and and it's something i suppose that gets that gets affected by time yeah you know, absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i'm not um i'm not religious but um if you go to a church you know i did a video once outside of st paul's cathedral and made the point if you go inside of st paul's cathedral and you look at the floor which has been there for hundreds of years you'll see that floors change due to wear over time but it doesn't have to be over hundreds of years that these things can happen much more quickly so things like um, wearing over time but also changes of cleaning regime can have a different effect on a surface mm -hmm. or if you for example in supermarkets you'll find they'll often reposition you know the checkouts or different aisles in different parts of the of the store and therefore you might have different floor surfaces that were designed to be around where the fresh produce uh, area is right, which yeah. would maybe have more slip resistance uh, and, but then the fresh produce moves somewhere else and therefore you don't have that same uh, thing so that's another way that floors can, can change okay, yeah. by, by the use changing over time. Yeah so I've not, I've not thought about you know having having a different floor you know if you're, if you're next to uh, you know sort of the, the the freezers or the fridge area you know you're probably it's going to be a little bit more yeah, I mean, that's, knocking around. That's, in very simple terms that's the, that's the easiest way of, of trying you know the, the most controllable way of trying to prevent an accident is by having a, a more pro appropriate floor surface there because mm -hmm. again if you accept the premise that some floor surfaces are less slippery than others mm. well let's try and uh, get a, a good floor surface in in the environments where we think a slip is more likely to happen mm -hmm. one of the challenges is that people look at this kind of superficially they're not aware of the slip testing so they they'll look at a floor which has got a sort of a, a profile on it or a texture oh that looks anti-slip and they'll bang that down on the floor without thinking it through or actually having the right information and just because a floor looks like it's anti-slip doesn't necessarily mean that it is right. anti-slip or it might be a little bit anti-slip but not quite anti-slip enough mm -hmm. so um, that's where the testing really comes into its own mm -hmm. so so you're going you're going in you're you're um, uh, doing the slip test and then and then out the back end of it comes some some recommendations, recommendations yeah. yeah so we we go in and do kind of consultancy which includes slip testing and we basically are looking at, we look at it holistically, so we look at six factors um, when we go in and do a, a survey. So the, the, the floor surface is, is one of those. We, we've, we've kind of coined an, a bit of an acronym around this, okay. which is CHIMES. Okay. So C is for contamination. All right. So if the floor is clean and dry, it's not slippery, but if it's contaminated, it may be slippery. Uh, H is about the heel. So what's the heel that's striking the floor uh, and to what extent can that be controlled? Uh, I is about individual, so human factors obviously play a role in any um, accident that could happen. We can all walk on a, um, a sheet of ice without slipping over mm -hmm. if we're taking more care and, and diligence and stuff. Mm -hmm. M is maintenance, which we've kind of touched on a bit before. E, environment, so things like lighting, noise, steps, stairs, slopes, and then S being the surface. So when we're going in and doing a, a survey, yes, we're going to be doing the, 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 the slip testing, which will tell us about the surface uh, and the maintenance of that surface and a bit about the contamination uh, but we'll also be looking at all these other things as well mm -hmm. and trying to give kind of holistic advice and in terms of where we then make recommendations some of the recommendations will be we can do this for you uh, but some of them and, and indeed often 
most of them are not we can do this for you but you should do this mm-hmm. um, and here's somebody else that can help you yeah. Uh, yeah. because we, we although we know about all this stuff we don't um, in terms of the delivery of what we actually do is, in terms of solutions we, we kind of stick to uh, around the floor surface at Chime yeah I mean again you know nice, uh, nice easy way to yeah. nice easy way to remember it isn't it and uh, I suppose you know the one that you've, you've probably got least control or the two that you've got least control over is the is the hill and the and the individual you know so so sometimes do you have to sort of would a business have to maybe over engineer it's 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 yeah i mean i would say to people if you know if you if you if you gave yourself a score out of 10 for each of the six factors in terms of how you're performing uh, but also think about maybe a score out of 10 for how much control you actually have over them and you're right that uh, the the heel, the footwear side of things. If you're dealing with customers mm. or members of the public, it's impossible to control that. Yeah. So therefore, you know your your level, to, your ability to control that is is very is very very low indeed. Mm. Whereas staff, uh, you potentially can control it very well. Mm-hmm. So depending on if you're if you're operating a, a warehouse, then actually your ability to control slip risks through the H of chimes is is massive. Yeah. If you're operating a shopping centre. It's probably very, very low. So we, we would say, look, try and look at it holistically. Look at all six. If, if you're struggling to control one or two of them, um, or you know, you just feel you can't control them, even theoretically you can, but actually in the real world you can't necessarily, then put more emphasis on some of the others. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the heel, uh, from a staff perspective, can be controlled, customer not so much. Mm-hmm. And the individual side, again, it's easier to control staff, but I mean, we all know that you're fallible, I'm fallible, we're all fallible. So even if we put measures in place to control staff and how they behave, that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be followed through. At the end of the day, people uh, people make mistakes, don't they? Yeah. Uh, I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently um, by a guy called Todd Todd Conklin. I don't know if you've ever come across. Yeah, I have. Yeah, the, yeah, really, the, uh, the accidental. No, what's it called? The pre-accident investigation. Yeah, really, really interesting guy. Um, a really funny guy, and uh, I think he's been over. I'm sure I saw him advertised at one of these health and safety uh, conferences in the UK. I'm sure oh. he's because he's from America, isn't he? He's from America, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure he has. He was talking about um, uh, just north, just north of the um, of the of New, of New York. Um, in that they, they get they get a lot of snow, mm. and um, and and it's and it's it can be pretty much impossible to 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 clear the snow, um, and so um, and so. If you if if you can't clear all the snow all the time um, and people make mistakes, then it means that people are going to slip. Yeah. And so he was actually saying, well, is is one of the things that you should try and do is actually um is actually teach people how to fall properly. Yeah, that's and- interesting yeah, way of thinking about. It. I think that 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 would actually have a lot of resonance in um, old people's homes and places like that. You know, because that I, I'm sure I saw a statistic once that something like. Thirty um, percent of care home residents fall in any given year. Not necessarily a slip; could yeah. just be a fall out of bed or whatever. Yeah. But of those that fall, seventy-five or eighty percent of them fall again. Yeah. And and uh, as we know, with older people, you know, you're much more susceptible to actually a serious injury. Um, and therefore, yeah, if you could teach people how to fall better, then mm-hmm. perhaps that's a good idea. So um, one of the things as well you mentioned the of the E of, uh, of chimes was the environment, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and things like lighting, that kind of stuff. The yeah. outside. So you know, is are there particular areas where that's more important than than? Yeah, than... I mean, it's it's something that people often neglect because they, you know, I think uh, people will look at slips 
and trips as, as, as a sort of oh it's easy to solve and, and therefore they don't put the effort in and they don't get get to the root causes mm. um lighting is critical because if you think about it if you can't really see where you're walking and there's a spillage or or water on the floor you're, you're less likely to see it and therefore um you're less likely to be able to address uh, the issue and, and and stop yourself from from having an accident equally in places like we, we do a fair bit of work in nightclubs and pubs where you know it's designed to be a dark sort of dingy mm-hmm. um, environment with, with um, sticky floors um, and uh, think things like single steps are a big issue there because you know again you, you're not if you're in a pub and you're ha- out having a, a good time and you've had a couple of drinks as well you know you're not going to see a single step mm-hmm. um, so that's where uh, designing the environment in such a way that you're trying to mitigate the risk as much as you can mm-hmm. kind of comes into the into the forefront and yeah. uh, it's difficult because if you're taking over a building and it's it's designed in such a way that it's got a single step you know around a bar or something that's that can be quite a costly thing to try and solve so you mm-hmm. may not necessarily want to solve it by totally redesigning it but there are things you can do like introduce different coloring uh, of floors and nosings and lighting you know under lighting and things like that to just try to highlight it and mm-hmm. just mitigate that risk as much as you can mm, no. so a lot each of these six things you know there's a lot of depth that goes goes into it and, and um but again, I think it's just my message really is just about trying to get people to look at it in in more depth rather than just looking at it too superficially. Yeah, no, I think you know a, a great uh, you know a great point, and I think you know I, I, you know I work in um I work in a, in a lot of industry where there's this uh, there's this interaction between between pedestrians and and vehicles. Yeah, you know, and and so you know having having clear designated. Walkways, walkways yeah. you know, you do that sort of work. You know, get involved. Yeah, in that, I did did some work for um, for QBE, one of the insurers we work with, uh, looking at a big van manufacturing company um, earlier this year, and uh, doing surveys of, of their um, two big uh, big manufacturing facilities, which were you know the size of several football fields, and, and one of the things there was the demarcation of walkways, uh, and, and thinking about. Um, keeping people safe by sticking them onto the walkway but also thinking about well pragmatically and sensibly and taking a risk assessment based approach uh, if people are sticking onto the walkways then it doesn't matter if you've got polished concrete and slippery floors everywhere else as long as the vehicles are safe yeah as long but, but keep the walkways safe you know don't mm-hmm. so we see a lot of kind of uh, examples of people over specifying um, slip resistance even in um, you know not in warehouse type environments like that but just in office buildings or whatever where architects will say oh, we need a you know a super high slip resistant floor well no you don't you mm. need to think about things pragmatically from a risk assessment based approach so so there yeah the walkway keep the walkway safe keep the walkway clearly clearly shown mm-hmm. and you, from a slip perspective you shouldn't need to worry about the rest of the floor because mm-hmm. people shouldn't be walking on that. Yeah. yeah no that's right oh yeah um, i was in uh, i was i was in a place recently and um they had a they had a walkway and then they had uh, they had like it was almost like a a, a, a pedestrian crossing, yeah. you know, and um, um, and it was and the pedestrian crossing had been had been had been pretty worn out by mm. the traffic running over it, mm. um, you know. So ongoing ongoing maintenance, you know, where, where does where does that sort of figure in the in the control uh, the control side of things? So so the framework of, of chimes is is the way that we we kind of. Uh, approach uh, how to help people solve the problem in terms of physically how we recommend people do it it's it's the first step is obviously understand measuring and understanding what's going on and then it's looking to implement some changes but then as we said before about floors changing over time it's about putting in some sort of maintenance 
program. So where we work with the insurers, for example, they like to see uh, a six monthly slip test, ideally, or, or 12 month, you know, yeah. once a year, yeah. but six monthly, certainly in places like swimming pools or kitchens where the, uh, the floors are constantly wet and therefore risk is, is higher. Um, so yeah, staying on top of it through maintenance, uh, having that um, demonstrable, uh, um, proactive approach is really useful when it comes to both maintaining safety but also defending claims. Mm-hmm. So you know, in that in that scenario, that sounds to me like that would have been donkey's years. It just nobody's thought of it. It mm-hmm. was there. It's it's now. I mean, I've seen this loads as well. Yeah. It's faded away. Well, actually, that you know that that should be getting picked up by somebody on, mm-hmm. which you probably did on some sort of audit, mm-hmm. uh, and, and saying, well, actually, let's do something about this. But then then coming up with a, a sensible plan. You know, you don't need to check this every every week um, because that you know once that's in, it's going to last for a long time. But just thinking about a, a sensible plan annually or six monthly or eighteen monthly. Uh, just to check that it's still performing the way that it should, um, because again, it's uh, you can put in the right floor, which is really important, give yourself half a chance to keep it safe. Mm-hmm. But if you just assume that the right floor is there and we haven't got to worry about it ever again, well, that's that's wrong because, as we've said, cleaning, contamination, maintenance, where these things can all change. Mm-hmm. What about things like stairs? Then I mean, yeah. is there, you know... or interesting, interesting subject here. So, what do you think? Can you slip on stairs? Well, definitely, I would have thought. I would have thought, you know. Uh, it's interesting because I, I, I don't think you can. Right, okay, brilliant. <laughs> you can fall on stairs and it might appear stairs. to be a slip, but I think okay. it isn't a slip. Uh, right. If you, This won't help people listening this, but I, you, I'll, I'll try and explain it to you. If you think about when you're walking on the flat surface and your heel is kind of striking the floor at a, it's not 45 degrees, but let's say a 45 degree angle to keep it simple. Yeah. Think about how you walk when you're walking downstairs. You're actually putting your foot out ahead of you, back on itself, and yeah, landing yeah. on the flat of your foot. Yeah. And therefore, you can't really slip in a traditional sense of a slip. Yeah, no, no. Uh, but what does happen and can happen, and most uh, accidents on stairs are caused by this, in my experience, is that inconsistency in the dimension of the stairs mm-hmm. means that rather than planting your foot on the the flat bit of the, the step that you expect, uh, the net... And you, uh, the next step is shorter or it's deeper or something and therefore where you expect to plant your foot you don't mm. and that's when you then can end up your heel is on the edge and then you feel like you've slipped but it isn't really a slip in the same in the same sense it's mm-hmm. more a, a misstep mm. potentially causing a slip or a trip or, or whatever mm-hmm. um, because if you think about it when you're walking downstairs you're not thinking about walking mm. um, so I've luckily I've never fallen down any stairs but I've tripped upstairs a few times um, and uh, it happened once actually in the city I was having a pint with a couple of guys from Aviva and I went to the loo downstairs came back up and tripped up the stairs and I thought to myself I've only had about three quarters of a pint here so I cannot be drunk so I had a look and actually yeah there was an inconsistency yeah. uh, in the dimensions and um, so you're not you're not thinking about it and therefore you're just planting your foot where you expect the stair to be you're not looking for where it is mm-hmm. so if, if that if that stair is in a different place that's when you can have an issue. Mm. Now, the easiest way, if I can describe it, to, to figure out whether this might be a problem is, is stand at the top of the flight of stairs and kind of crouch down until all of the nosings blur into one line. Yeah. And what you'll see uh, quite often is that one of them will disappear or one of them will be protruding, mm. and that shows you where there's an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're probably having Problems. issues. So in that example I gave of of the, the pub where I, the toilets were downstairs, when I after I picked myself up, luckily nobody saw me, um, I went to the top of the stairs, crouched down and saw 
where I where I tripped was because the that uh, rise, the, the vertical bit, was higher than the rest, and so I I was lifting my foot enough to go above it yeah. on the previous steps, but then that one was higher, so I caught my caught toe. My toe. And uh, whereas the the reverse could have been the case that I could have overstepped or understepped on the way down. So stairs consistency of dimensions is key. Uh, if you've got an issue with that, then there are things you can maybe do retrospectively to address it. But but think about nosing so that you can at least demark where the edges are, uh, handrails, mm-hmm. um, potentially slip resistant um, nosings as well. Yep. Just because that helps. You know, if someone does misstep, uh, then that that might just help them to to, to avoid um, actually falling and hurting themselves. Because obviously, a, a, a fall on stairs is, is typically a pretty serious uh, injury um obviously i've been in london today and uh, and you just look at the uh, the underground the step the mm. steps on the underground and they've uh, they've all got these these big metal nosings I mean, yeah but what, i mean you know is, is metal the right the right sort of material to have in in that environment um not necessarily metal's easy to maintain yeah and it may well be that those metal nosings when they were installed were probably okay but what, what i i mean i live in london so i see this all the time what what tends to be the case is that they've all worn smooth and therefore mm. they're probably yeah probably worse having those than than, than something else mm-hmm. um albeit in the dry you know smooth surface in the dry is quite slip resistant but if, yeah. if, it, if it were to get wet uh, and you don't need much water as well for somebody to slip you know the smallest drop of water is enough mm-hmm. for somebody to slip on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a smooth surface mm-hmm. um, so so no they're probably they're probably not I mean yeah underground stations train stations they're classic <laughs> yeah. examples of, of kind of poor uh, specification poor design when it comes to to slip safety and, and huge huge footfall. And massive footfall oh, no. although there was an article um, in the summer a network rail Pay only only paid about a million quid over four or five years of, of claims for, right. for slip strips and falls, which I I think a lot of people thought, oh wow, that's a lot of money. But I actually thought, well, that's actually not much money at all. No. Think about the footfall yeah. that goes through the stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very little, really. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if I compare that to some clients that I've seen where mm-hmm. they're spending you know more than that a year mm. um, on yes more sites, but but a lower level of footfall. Mm-hmm. So it shows you that there is something around. I think there's something around. Um, sector and, and there's also something kind of psychological um in terms of not necessarily because i don't know what the accident statistics are versus the claims but i think if you look at something like um a health club if you're in a health club and you and you you're going there to be active and, and and whatever and you and you slip over or you have some other sort of minor inju- i'm assuming not a big uh, injury here but you have a you have a slip or some minor accident yep. you're probably less likely to put a claim in than if you're out for your Sunday lunch with your family and you're you know you're not expecting any rough and tumble or whatever and, and actually you feel more aggrieved because it may have ruined your enjoyment of the evening or the afternoon or whatever it might be so I think there's something where people are more apt to, to claim in in certain sectors uh, and even in subsectors so for example in in the leisure world we see a lot more claims coming through to the private operators than we do to the local authority operators even though actually from a from a risk perspective, going through that chimes model, yeah. they're all basically the same. same yeah. And they're probably accident. Their accident rates are probably the same. But I think people maybe can sniff out the private sector. Or there's probably money there. Yeah. Okay. Um, public sector maybe maybe less less so. Less so. Albeit they're all actually in practice insured. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, so yeah, I think um, I think uh, there, there's definitely something there, which is which is interesting. 
I was reading a, a blog that you did recently, um, and it was talking about uh, a, a leisure centre floors and and the perception that people have of the of the club as a whole. Mm. You know, uh, you know, based around the the the, 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 the floor yeah. that they find in the changing yeah. rooms and yeah. the shower. You want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, basically, if you think about, particularly in leisure, but 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 in other environments too. So, there's a lot of research in. You know, somewhere like we are sitting outside a, a, a bar slash restaurant where uh, in, in that sector there's a correlation between perceived cleanliness and customer satisfaction and therefore sales mm-hmm. and in most industries it's normally something like 20% so in other words you know if an environment's clean you're you're likely to get 20% higher sales than if it's perceived as it's not very clean and in leisure this is kind of heightened particularly in changing rooms and showers because you've you've kind of got that vulnerability of being in a state of undress uh, plus, you've got the the fact that you're, you know, let's say you're in the shower, you're standing still, and you're going to notice things more than if you're having lunch with somebody or you're uh, walking through a shop or whatever it might be. Um, so, some interesting uh, data around the fact that you know, nearly seventy percent of people think that floor cleanliness in a leisure club is important, but only five percent of people believe that their club's floors are clean. Right, There's okay. a massive gap there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. As I said at the start, you know we've got two offerings really. One is around cleanliness, and one is around safety. But the two do converge uh, because a cleaner club is going to be a safer club. A safer club is going to be a cleaner club in, in, all, in all probability. So we spend a lot of time working with uh, with leisure clubs on on, on the, the dual benefits of of getting this this right around their floors and actually thinking about well, if we can uplift our sales by X and we can reduce our claims by Y, the bottom line effect of, of the club is going to be massive. Mm-hmm. No, that makes uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I um I I do a lot of work in um in in the quarrying industry, mm. and um and 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 one of the things that that, that people have to do we've got big earth moving machinery, okay, and, uh, and people have to climb in and out. Yeah. And um and and where they climb it out onto is is often unmade ground, you know, uh, maybe potholes and stuff like that. Yeah. Are there any are there are there things that the that, that businesses could be doing a bit differently? You know, on these areas where people are people are getting in and out of machinery or climbing on yeah, and off. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw a presentation and I I feel a bit embarrassed now because I can't remember his name, but it was a chap who was in a similar sector. It was a lot of um, kind of uh, I'm trying to think what they what they made or, or, or dug out of the ground, but it was kind of external, mm-hmm. uneven ground, vehicles, you know, and stuff. And he was talking about some of the practical stuff that they've done as a business to, to mitigate the risk. Uh, so just things like having um, handrails on the, if you've, if you've got very high vehicles, you know, where you're climbing up little mini ladders, yep. having handrails, um, thinking about some of them are designed in such a way that as you're climbing in, you're kind of climbing straight in and some of them you climb up and then you have to almost have to sort of shift a bit to the side so you're mm-hmm. introducing more risk there. Mm. The height at which you're then stepping down onto the floor mm. are other things. Footwear, obviously. And in terms of footwear, uh, what constitutes a an appropriate footwear to use in a kitchen is totally different than what you'd have in that environment outside because mm. you need a totally different type of um, of, of slip resistance, but also outside, you're going to need your ankle protection and, mm-hmm. and various other things. So yeah, there are there are practical things that people can do. I think one of the big problems as well in, in those far is that is that bottom step, that yeah. last step, is so much bigger, bigger yeah. than all the others, you yeah. know, and, and that can cause people to, you know, to yeah. But to... I guess if you if you again, if it's a bit like we do a lot of work in hotels, um, and, and and people have a lot of issues getting in and out of bathtubs. So it's not dissimilar because well, okay. you're. 
you're kind of stepping over mm-hmm. quite a, a height that is normally you know 40 centimeters plus which is right. quite a high step and then you're stepping into or out of a, a probably a very slippery surface of the bathtub um and so the principle it's a bit like climbing upstairs you know you should always hold on to the handrail because actually if you've got more than one point of contact you've got a much more stable um mm. uh, footing or for want of a better term so again if you if you're climbing out of one of those vehicles and you've got uh your both your hands clasped on until you get reached onto the ground then actually you you know you've got you should theoretically have a much more stable position to be in mm. so that actually you can manage and mitigate some of the issues with the floor itself mm-hmm. similarly if you're climbing in and out of a bathtub having having handrails or grab rails or something so that you can have that anchor um, rather than just trying to step over it and sort of perilously, perilously uh, balance so I think mm-hmm. there's probably something um, around maybe design but also around just that that training piece there I mean not that I can't imagine that environment that people are like gra- grabbing their coffee and trying to but, but perhaps they do um, mm-hmm. or on their phone or whatever but I think just trying to you know educate people that that's a risky thing and therefore just take that little bit longer just to think about the way you're doing it and actually just having those two anchors with your hands Mm -hmm. you know because most people can hold their weight on their hands you know even if only for Mm -hmm. a few seconds so you just you know just slowly take your time right you know not jump out Mm -hmm. slowly lower yourself down and you probably find that that's um a practical way of uh, reducing the risk i think you're you're spot on there i mean i mean some of the stuff that we talk about as well is is actually say to to people look you know we'll actually spend a little bit more time looking after that area where people are regularly getting in and out of vehicles you know because there's a a, you know on some of these sites you know there's a lot of areas where you don't you're you're never going to do anything you know the machinery is just running up and down you're not going to climb out but where people are getting out near fueling points that kind of stuff where they're regularly in and out then just take a bit more time yeah and that's the kind of thing that that presentation i mentioned they were doing it was it was actually similar to what we talked about in manufacturing Mm -hmm. demarking different areas and dealing with them slightly differently and just de-risking the environment Mm -hmm. um so that you've got a lower risk yeah mm-hmm. it makes sense doesn't it yeah and it's all it's not expensive stuff but it just requires a bit more thought mm-hmm. um and, and you know can be done in in, in hardly any time at all mm-hmm. um just just with common sense but, but again it's, it's just just taking that step back to set to think well can we do this a bit better rather than all people you know what i hear a lot is slips and trips are inevitable yeah. you know the floor was wet what, what, you know it's bound to be slippery I put my yellow sign out what could I do mm. well no hold on just take a step back here let's think about this better and actually with not much <coughs> cost necessarily you can make big improvements and, mm-hmm. and, and, and stop people getting hurt because as I said earlier it's it's the biggest cause of people going to hospital is, is people um, slipping tripping and falling now you may not know the answer to this question but I'm, <laughs> right. do, do more people get hurt climbing into a bath or climbing out that's a very interesting question, and, and I, I don't know the answer, and I think even the hotel uh, community don't know the answer, because obviously one of the challenges with um, hotel bathrooms, just like you have in, in toilets, for example, is there's no CCTV, so you can't actually see yeah. what's going on. Um, I, I think it's probably 50-50, because okay. in my experience, what I, what I tend to see is um, bathtubs which are... Uh, designed to be slippery um, because you know they're smooth acrylic or smooth yeah. whatever mm-hmm. uh, and obviously you can't have a, a sandpaper bathtub because then you can't sit in it so yep. so mm-hmm. they're, they're designed to be that way but then I also see uh, floor surfaces on bathroom floors that where people haven't 
force it through properly mm. that they're going to get wet. Yeah. Um, so you've got a slippery floor and a, and a slippery bathtub, and therefore you've got a heightened level of risk. So if you can do something to, you know, to reduce the risk on one or both of those, if you think about it, if you had, if you had one foot on, you know, a floor that was slip resistant and one foot in the bathtub, versus one foot on a floor that's slippery and one fo- foot in the bathtub that's slippery, mm-hmm. which which scenario is going to give you the lowest risk? Well, mm-hmm. clearly it's scenario one. So I yeah. think just. Um, the design of, of bathrooms in hotels, the design of washrooms in, in the offices or or, um, or public uh, buildings, you know, is is poor. They they seem to design them as if they're dry environments when they're not. They're not. Yeah. Um, so again, it's you know just thinking about the basics, get the floor, get the floor service right, and then you you're gonna you're gonna reduce that risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it, I, I I don't think, yeah, I, I'm not sure how we could figure out which which it was, but I suspect it's. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Um, my um, my cousin has got a a, a a slight step in 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 her bathroom, and so because when you when you climb when you climb in into a bath, it, you know it's a little bit higher, isn't yeah. it? And then when you climb in out, it's a little bit lower. lower. Yeah. And she's got like a little step, and and, it, and when I've gone there, it just feels it just feels so different when you're climbing from the same height. The same height, yeah. In you know, yeah. I'm surprised we don't do that a bit more. You know, yeah, think, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I went to um. A hotel recently, and they had it was, a, it was a nice hotel. They had they had just had a slip in in in, in um, and I don't think they were sure whether it was a tub or the floor. Mm. And they did have a smooth, shiny marble floor, but uh, they had kind of lower profile bathtubs, so that was better because yeah. you were you were it was something like twenty eight centimeters step over rather than normally you see maybe forty. Right. So just that, even that, you know, w- w- would help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know if you can. Anytime you're changing levels, you've got a much greater requirement for friction. Yeah. So therefore, if you are stepping from a higher level to a lower level, and you're stepping over something to do that, and your feet are wet, and the floor is smooth, you know, mm-hmm. you're adding up to a lot of sort of crosses in the box rather than ticks in the box. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if um if if people could do a, a number of things really really quickly back in their back in their workplace now to to, to try and get an idea of whether yeah. they got an issue or a problem, or to yeah. make them, what sort what sort of things would, would you would you suggest they? So I, I would I would say use use that chimes as, as a as a framework mm-hmm. and just think about each of those six things. Can you just, can you just just, just re- explain re- them again? Just re- re- recap them again. Yeah. yeah. So C is contamination. Right. Okay. So uh, what's on the floor? To what extent can you control that and manage that? So if you think about the typical hierarchy of control mm-hmm. when it comes to health and safety, elimination is your number one. Yeah. So if you can eliminate that floor from becoming wet mm-hmm. or from becoming contaminated with whether it's grease or it's a chip or it's dust or whatever, then you're probably not going to have any accidents. So mm-hmm. think about the contamination. H is the heel. So to what extent can you control what what's on people's heels? Or if you can't control, uh, are you taking into consideration the types of shoes that might be worn. Um, I is the individual, so what can we do to control the way that the individual reacts to the floor surface or the environment that they're in? Um, can we can we engineer the uh, environment in such a way, you know, for example, that uh, if you're working in a kitchen and the floor's greasy, 
you're walking in straight lines rather than twisting around corners, you know, that's going to reduce the risk. I suppose also things like not running. Yeah, stuff exactly, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, M is maintenance, so thinking about clean, the, the cleaning and, and, and how the floor surface in particular is being maintained over time. Mm -hmm. uh, on cleaning, I would say that you just need to be wary of the fact that just because a floor looks cleaner doesn't necessarily mean it's clean and safe. All right. So if you think about this table that we're sitting at here, um, if this was an operating theatre table, and you were getting wheeled in for an operation, and you saw the surgeon spit on his hanky and wipe the table, mm. you think, bloody hell, that's not very good. Mm -hmm. But actually, if, if you'd been wheeled in and he'd just done that and you didn't see it, it would look clean, but it wouldn't be hygienically clean. Right, yeah. Uh, and, and, and the slip resistance uh, and hygiene, you know, it's a similar thing. It can, yeah. it can look clean, but not necessarily be, be clean. Mm -hmm. um, e is environment, so things like lighting, step stairs, um, and S is the surface. So in terms of what people can take away, I would say look at those six things, take a step back and just do a list of those six things and think about what could fit under each category and just think, well, what, how do we think we perform at the moment and what could we do to make some quick improvements? So things like cleaning, you know, is fairly straightforward. You can make some changes to your cleaning. Uh, contamination, a good one would be if you've got environments where you're having spillages, how do you control that spillage? How do you deal with it? So rather than getting a mop out and mopping a small spillage into a huge big area um, just get some paper towel out or a dry mop and dry the floor and then you've eliminated mm -hmm. the risk um, and, then, and then try and find out where it's come from yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so there's quite a few uh, things like that I mean we, we on our website we've got a tool which is called the slip safety scorecard All right and it's basically a digital diagnostic uh, it'll take you about seven or eight minutes to answer uh, yes no so it's 40 yes or no questions and then what it what it gives you is a report which sets out uh, each of those six factors gives you a score for them versus kind of best practice and then it gives you some more some practical tips that you can follow mm -hmm. um, so that would be something that the listeners could do is actually go and spend 10 minutes doing that so what is the what is the website where, where, where can they get to that uh, it's uh, slipsafety.co.uk okay it's nice and easy to remember nice to see. yeah um, so and, and if you click on the top there it'll say scorecard um, so that you know that that would give you a bit of a starting point as well because it'll give you an idea of how you're performing mm -hmm. on each of the factors and, and, and again some ideas on what you can do um, I'd certainly recommend as well if you're on LinkedIn uh, if the listeners are on LinkedIn following me on LinkedIn because pretty much every day doing content get, delving into some of these uh, these things as well uh, I did a post the other day for example about uh, entrance systems so you know people rely on uh, their entrance system to reduce risk but actually how effective is your entrance system and mm -hmm. how do you really know mm -hmm. by entrance system I mean uh, canopy door mat so you know the theory is that by the time if it's a raining raining a rainy day outside by the time somebody's stepping onto your reception floor their their feet should be dry and mm -hmm. therefore we've eliminated the risk of because yeah. there's no contamination so we've eliminated the risk of a slip um, oh. uh, it, it, in practice uh, most entrance systems that I see aren't aren't actually doing that job yeah so how do you how do you tell well the easiest way to tell is is wait for a rainy day stand inside your reception and just see if your what floor's getting wet yeah if your yep. floor's getting wet your entrance system isn't working so then what can you do well let's think about installing canopy let's think about uh, installing deeper matting or temporary or let's think about improving the floor mm -hmm. surface because uh, again, as we've said, we you know floors can be made such that they're uh, sufficiently slip resistant even when they're wet to mm -hmm. avoid uh, the risk. So that's you know another quick little tip that, mm -hmm. that people could uh, could look at.
So you, you mentioned LinkedIn. How how do people find you on LinkedIn? Uh, if I think if you if you search Christian Harris slip, that's probably the best probably, way. Yeah. I don't think there'll be many other people coming <laughs> up. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure I'd. It's the guy with the beard. The devilishly handsome guy with the beard. That's, that's what my wife would say anyway. Fantastic, fantastic. And um, and that, what about email? Have you got an email that people Yeah, need? email uh, is um, charris at slipsafety.co.uk. Fantastic, nice fantastic. No, that's brilliant. Hey, look, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you ever so much for, Thanks, uh, for having a chat. And um, I think there's some really uh, some really good pointers there for, for people to, uh, to look at. Crossed, yeah. You know, when, uh, when looking at their, their flooring. Is Great. that okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. So I hope you found that interesting. You know, some really simple, sensible advice from Christian. Um, you know, follow follow the chimes uh, process. You know, I, th- I thought that it was nice and simple, nice and straightforward how you can make a difference in your workplace very, very easily. You know, just by having a look at the conditions that you've uh, that you've got there. Um, I hope you found uh, today's episode uh, interesting. Um, he was a lovely guy, and, and please, um, please make contact uh, make contact with him if you've uh, if you've got a particular issue, you know, with uh, with ground conditions, um, you know, cleanliness of the uh, of flooring, um, you know, particular spillage issues, stuff like that. He'll um, he'll be able to he'll be able to help you. Hey, have a have a great time, and uh, speak to you soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business.